Take your Bibles and turn with me to the book of Genesis, chapter 28. We have been journeying through Genesis, and we are looking now in the 28th chapter of an unusual experience in the life of a man by the name of Jacob. And we're going to look at this passage of Scripture It's amazing as you go back and you look in the Old Testament and you see the typology of the Lord Jesus Christ throughout the Old Testament. And you certainly see that here today as we're going to study the conversion of this man by the name of Jacob. And of course, this is a picture of a dream that he had of a ladder extended into heaven. I titled my message, Up a Ladder Without a Tree. (laughs) Well, which had you rather be, up a tree without a ladder or up a ladder without a tree? It's a very complicated question there. Sort of reminded me of two guys, two old country boys. They were out in the cornfield plowing. And one old boy looked up, and there was a plane that was flying over his head. And he said, I sure would hate to be up there in that plane. The other old boy says, well, I'd hate to be up there without that plane. (laughs) Well, I'm here to tell you, God has remarkably shared with us a beautiful story in his written word about Jacob and the ladder to heaven. So with your Bibles Open to 28th chapter. We're going to turn to verse 10 and read through the remainder of the chapter. Would you stand with me in reverence of reading God's special, holy, divine, inerrant, infallible word of God. Listen to what the Bible says. Now Jacob went out from Beersheba and went toward Haran. And he came to a certain place and stayed there all night because the sun had set. And he took one of the stones of that place and put it at his head. And he lay down in that place to sleep. Then he dreamed. And behold, a ladder was set up on the earth. And its top reached to heaven. And there the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. The land of which you lie, I will give to you and your descendants. Also your descendants shall be as the dust of the earth. You shall spread abroad to the west and the east, to the north and to the south. And in you and in your seed, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land. For I will not leave you until I have done what I have spoken to you. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep 
and said, Surely the Lord is in this place. And I did not know it. And he was afraid and said, How awesome is this place. This is none other than the house of God. And this is the gate of heaven. Then Jacob rose early in the morning, took the stone that he had put at his head, set it up as a pillar, and poured oil on top of it. And he called the name of that place Bethel. But the name of that city had been Luz previously. Then Jacob made a vow, saying, If God will be with me and keep me in this way that I am going and give me bread to eat and clothing to put on so that I come back to my father's house in peace, then the Lord shall be my God. And this stone which I have set as a pillar shall be God's house. And all that you give me I will surely give a tenth to you. Father, thank you for your special word. Thank you for the way that you've spoken to our hearts already through this service. Thank you, dear Lord, for the way that the Holy Spirit reminds us in the Scripture that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. And no man can come to the Father except by Him. And so, Father, thank You for giving us that direction. Asking now, dear Lord, for Your Holy Spirit to anoint us. Fill us with Your Holy Spirit. Use us for Your glory. For we ask this in the precious and wonderful name, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Jacob and his ladder. What a ladder. The Bible reminds us and describes to us why this would set the Guinness World Book of Records. It's the longest ladder. I mean, think about it. Extended from earth to heaven. The strongest ladder. More than 10,000 angels, the Bible reminds us, were ascending and descending there upon that ladder. And the Bible says that when Jacob got a picture of this ladder, it was a picture that linked him to God and linked him to heaven and began to discover something that he had never discovered before in his life. And that was a personal relationship with a holy God. It changed his life. It changed it eternally and forever. What I'd like to do for a few moments is to look at this passage of Scripture and to uh, share with you some truths that I have discovered out of this passage of Scripture that would encourage you that if you could ever understand that God has prepared a way and that He has opened up a way for a man, a sinful, sinful man to have a relationship with a holy God. 
I promise you, it will change your life. It will change your life, not only today, but for all eternity. First of all, I want you to notice with me the vision that Jacob had. The vision that Jacob had. Look with me in verse 10 and 11. It says, now Jacob went out from Beersheba and went toward Haran. So he came to a certain place and stayed there all night because the sun had set. And he took one of the stones of that place and put it at his head and he lay down in that place to sleep. Jacob, of course, is in a dark, dark place. He is in a dry place. He is at a desert. He's on the run, if I may share with you today. That here is Jacob, is as the prodigal son of the Old Testament. There, Jacob, he had run away from home. Jacob, he had cheated his brother from his birthright. He had cheated his father from defrauding him of the blessing that he certainly should have been able to inherit. And out of the middle of this particular day, a dry, dreary, harsh day, he's exhausted there in the middle of the desert. So he begins to lay down for a few moments for a few hours of rest and sleep. And there, he has bushes for a curtain. He has a sky for a canopy. He has a ground for a bed and a pillar of stone to lay his head upon. And then the Bible says there in verse 12, Then he dreamed... And behold, a ladder was set up on the earth, and its top reached to heaven. And there the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. Had a dream that day, that night. He dreamed about heaven, and it taught Jacob a tremendous lesson. And it changed him. It changed him instantaneously. And it changed him for all eternity through this dream. I heard about this young man one time. Had a dream one time. And he was talking to his, uh, uh, his girlfriend. And um, he said, I dreamed about you last night. And she says, well, what did you dream? says, well, I dreamed I proposed to you. says, what do you think that means? She said, well, it means that you're smarter in your dreams than you are when you're awake. (laughs) Well, friend, as I think about Jacob, Jacob was smarter in his dreams than he was while he was awake. God gave him a vision. God allowed him to dream. Of a way of a man, a sinful, ungodly man. To be able to have a relationship with a holy, holy God. See, that Old Testament ladder was none other than the Lord Jesus Christ. 
He is the extension between man and God. Now, there's people today that have tried to climb many ladders. There's a lot of people today that have tried to climb the ladder of rituals. They join a church and they go through rituals and they go through all different types of religious activities. And they think that is the way to heaven. Then, of course, there are those that have not only tried to go through rituals, but they have tried to go through religions. I've known people that will go from one religion to another religion to another religion, and they're constantly searching. And they have tried to climb that ladder of religion. Then there are those that have tried to climb the ladder of righteousness. Oh, if I can only be right, if I can always dot my I's and cross my T's, and yet they always seem to find themselves coming up failing because you can never be right because there are the Bible says that we all have sinned and have come short of the glory of God but here is Jacob Jacob all of a sudden found that there is a way to heaven and God has extended to him second I mean, excuse me, 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 5. For the Bible reminds us of this very, very special verse. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. My friend, the Bible reminds us there is not many ways to heaven, but there is one way. There were not many ladders But there was one ladder. Now you stop and think about that ladder for a few moments because as I think about that ladder, it pictures several things. It pictures the gulf of sin. When I think about the gulf of sin, if we're ever going to get to heaven, we must realize there is an extension that between earth And to heaven. I go back into the scriptures and I'm reminded of where the gospel of Luke 16, where Jesus was sharing with us that story between the rich man and poor Lazarus. And the rich man had gone into the very pits of hell. And he was requesting that, that, God would send someone to warn his brothers. And the Bible says that he says that there is a gulf between me and heaven. A gulf, a gulf of sin. There's a gulf that separates us between man and God. My friend... That's why the Bible says and speaks about that we are at enmity with God because of our sins and because of that gulf. And therefore, you need an extension that will overcome that. I find it very interesting. In verse 13, he, it says, I am the Lord God of your, uh, the Lord God of Abraham, your father, And the God of 
your father Isaac. Does not mention that he's the God of Jacob. But he says that he's the God of Abraham. And he's the God of Isaac. But he does not mention he's the God of Jacob. In fact, you go on and you'll find in verse 16, he says that Jacob was even at the point that he wasn't even aware of the presence of God. Where he says in verse 16, surely the Lord is in this place and I did not know it. Now I find that interesting. He was brought up in a Christian heritage. His grandfather and his father knew God. But Jacob didn't. There's a lot of people today think just simply because they're born into a Christian home that they've automatically become Christians. My friend, you know more a Christian being born in a Christian home than if you were born in a garage being a car, an automobile. Friend, I want you to understand that there is a personal relationship. It does not come through your father. It does not come through your mother. It does not come through your brother and your sister. It is a personal relationship that you have with the Lord. And Jacob is learning that very thing today. Just because my grandfather Abraham and my father Isaac knew the Lord, did not necessarily mean that he knew the Lord. There was a gulf, a gulf of sin. But then not only a gulf of sin, it also pictures, this latter pictures, the grace of the Savior. This ladder which links between earth and heaven is a picture of none other than linking between God and man together. The Old Testament ladder was the picture of the New Testament Lord Jesus Christ. It's the staircase right straight into salvation of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so therefore, we need to recognize that very thing. But then it's also a picture of the glory of the saints. Listen to what the Bible says there in verse 12. I find it very interesting. He says in verse 12, Then he dreamed, and behold, a ladder was set up on the earth, and its top reached to the heavens. And there the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. Now, let me ask you a question. Why were the angels ascending and descending on this ladder? Well, they are, first of all, they were descending to care for us while we're on this earth. Did you realize, and I believe with all my heart, that God has special guardian angels to watch over us? And that when we come to know the Lord Jesus Christ as our Savior... And the presence of the Holy Spirit that God has assigned these angels to guide us and to direct us and to protect us. Here's a picture of this. Hebrews chapter 1 verse 13 and 14 
reminds us of that very thing. It says, but to which of the angels has he ever said, sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool? Are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for those who will inherit salvation? My friend, ascending, I mean descending, he's come to take care of us as through the, the, the angels of heaven. But descending, there's one day, I believe there's going to be a special angel that will take us directly into the throne of God at the point of death. That's why the Bible reminds us. I can go through the valley of the shadow of death and fear no evil. That that angel is guiding us and directing us even through the point of death. Oh, how the angels ministers to us. And I think that's exactly what God was teaching this man by the name of Jacob. What a beautiful, beautiful picture. But I want you to see a second truth here. Not only the vision that he had, but also, my friend, I want you to notice the voice that he heard. See, a dream was not sufficient for salvation. Oh, I hear people say, oh, if I could have dreams like those men in the Old Testament could have, oh, how it would change my life. My friend, I want you to understand, it was not the dream that was sufficient, but it was the voice that he heard that made it sufficient. He knew it was God because no one could speak like God could. That divine voice not only came, and it got into his ears, but it got into his heart. There's something about the voice of God. That divine voice. And my friend, when God really speaks to you and you listen, it will change your life. And it will change your life forevermore. Let's look at this voice for a moment. Listen to what he heard. It was, first of all, a voice of revelation. The Bible says in verse 13 and 14, And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am, listen to this, I am the Lord God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac, the land of which you lie, I will give to you and your descendants. Also your descendants shall be as the dust of the earth. You shall spread abroad to the west and the east, to the north and to the south. And in you and in your seed, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. God personally spoke to this one. And he spoke through his word. In the past, he had spoke to Abraham. In the past, he had spoke to Isaac. But now he comes and he speaks to Jacob. And it becomes a personal word. Let me ask you the moment 
that when God's first spoke to you, do you remember that time? Boy, I do. I remember it. I remember the Lord speaking to my heart as a young boy. And I remember especially that Thursday night in that revival meeting. You say, was his voice audibly? My friend, it was much louder than that. But I remember when he spoke to me personally. I wasn't concerned about him speaking to others, but I was concerned about him speaking to me personally. And he spoke to my heart. And as he spoke to my heart, he shared with me several things. He shared with me the revelation that I was lost. He shared with me the revelation that I was a sinner. I'd never seen myself in that particular aspect before. And then he shared with me the revelation of his love, of allowing his only begotten son to go to an old rugged cross and to know that he did that as a substitute for me. And then he shared with me the revelation of his love. That I love you and that I want to come into your heart. Has he spoken to me before? I mean, since that time? Many, many times. But I'll never get over that first time that he spoke to me. I remember the time that he spoke to me when God had called me into the ministry. It was so loud and so clear. And yet, I remember that time that he made it so well known to me that I've chosen you. I couldn't understand it. I couldn't comprehend it. And it scared the daylights out of me. But I tell you one thing, I'll never get over that time that he spoke to me. And even today, many, many times in a still small voice of how God speaks and he speaks in ways that it changes our life. It was not only a voice of revelation, but it was a voice of reaffirmation. I want you to listen to this verse of Scripture just for a moment because it's so impacted with the truth and the blessings of God. Listen to what he says. Behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go. And I will bring you back to this land for I will not leave you until I have done what I have spoken to you. Almost sounds like the Lord Jesus Christ when he spoke to his disciples. The same thing that God gives to this dear man is the same thing he gives to you and I today. First of all, he said... I will give to you my presence, the presence of my being. Behold, I am with you, and I will never leave you or forsake you. Did Jesus not say the same thing? I'll never leave you or forsake you. Oh, I'm so grateful to know there is no valley too deep 
and no mountain too high to get away from the presence of a holy God. To know that He lives in me and dwells in within me and to know that He has promised that He will never, never forsake me. But He goes a step further. He says, not only I reaffirm of the presence of God, but He says, I will protect you. We have the protection of God. He says, I will keep you wherever you go. I don't know about you, but the longer that I live and the more that I study the Word of God and the more that I begin to grow in maturity in the Lord Jesus Christ, I realize I have a real enemy. And that enemy wants to destroy me. But oh, thank my blessed Savior. And my wonderful God, He says, I will protect you and I will keep you from harm and danger. My friend, what a promise that He has made to us. What a promise He has given to us. What a promise He was given to this dear man. But then He goes... He says, we not only have the presence of God and the protection of God, but also the preservation of God. He says, I will bring you back to this land. Jesus himself said, I go and prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself. And that where I am, there you may be also. All the demons of hell cannot keep you from your destiny called heaven. The devil himself, with all the power and authority that he has upon this earth, my friend, cannot keep you from the destiny of this place called heaven. He said, I have the preservation of God. But then one last thing he spoke about here. He says... That we have the promise of God. I will not leave you until I have done what I have spoken to you. The Lord keeps his promises, does he not? Is there one that can stand and give testimony? I know that God did not fulfill this promise. There's not a one, my friend. Every promise that God has made by his integrity of his character, he fulfills his promises. Oh, I'm so grateful. So we have that voice of revelation. We have that voice of reaffirmation. But then we see a voice of regeneration. Look what he says in verse 16. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place. And I did not know it. Here was at the very moment that Jacob got saved. Here was his transformation experience. Up until this time, he was totally unaware of the presence of God. My friend, he knew about God. He had heard Abraham talk. He had heard his father Isaac talk, but he didn't know God in a personal, 
intimate way. A lot of people know God intellectually. You would talk to them about God and they can tell you all of the scriptures that pertain to God. But that doesn't mean you know Him personally. That doesn't mean that you've had an experience with Him. But oh, here, look at Jacob. He comes now and he is now a new person to the point that he changes his name. He's no longer Jacob the deceiver. Becomes Israel. Oh, what a glorious day this was in the life of this man. A glorious day. I find it interesting, two of the saddest, saddest verses in the Bible. One here, surely the Lord was in this place and I didn't know it. Can you imagine how sad that would be? God being in a place and you're not even aware of his presence. And then I'm reminded over in Judges chapter 16 verse 20. For the Bible reminds us of Samson. But he did not know that the Lord had departed from him. Can you imagine the presence of God being departed from you? Two of the greatest tragedies of life are for God to be present and for you not to see it and to know it and for God to be absent and that you not even sense His absence. So many people will come into the house of the Lord and they'll go through the routine of the ritual of worship and not even aware of His presence. What a... Tragedy. What a tragedy of churches going through week after week after week after week worship. And the Lord has written across the doors of that church, Ichabod. The Lord had departed from the presence of this place. Oh, cannot imagine. Cannot imagine coming and not knowing that God's presence would be here as we come to assemble. Do you realize He is here today? Amen. And that His presence is real and dear. But I find something very interesting. Jacob was not saved by his vision. He was not saved by his dream. He was not saved by those angels. He was saved by the voice of the Lord. You remember what the Bible tells us in Romans chapter 10 verse 17? Key. So then faith cometh by hearing. Hearing what? Hearing the word of God. It's the voice of God that changes and regenerates the life of an individual. I'm reminded of Martin Luther. Martin Luther said, 
many, many years ago. I have made a covenant with my God that He sends me not visions, dreams, nor even angels. I'm well satisfied with the gift of the Holy Scriptures, which gives me abundant instructions in all that I need to know, both for this life and for that which is to come. Oh, thank God for His blessed Scriptures. And the Bible reminds us in verse 17, it says, And he was afraid, and how awesome in this place, that this is none other than the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. The gate of heaven that man is able to go through. But one last thing, very quickly in closing. We've talked about the vision that he had. We've talked about the voice that he heard. But all the vow that he honored. The vow that he honored. The Bible says that he sets up an altar. And the Bible says he makes a sacred vow. This is the very first vow that you will find in the scriptures. This vow was signifying the dedication of his life. It says in verse 18, Then Jacob rose early in the morning and took the stone that he had put at his head and set up a pillar and poured oil on top of it. Jacob turns his pillar into a pillar. He literally builds an altar. And the Bible says he pours oil upon that altar. And there he is sanctifying it. Signifying this is the place where I met God. Because his nature was changed. His name was changed. And the Bible says, and that he was called the name of that place Bethel. But the name of that city had been Luz previously. Luz literally means separation, signifying man separated from God. But now, God and man has come together. The name Bethel, of course, you know, reminds us as the house of God. Here is a man who is now dwelling in the house of God. See, because he's in the family of God, he's in the house of God. The place of separation has become, a place literally become what is known as a place of celebration. But you not only see the dedication of his life here, but you also recognize the declaration of his Lord. The Bible says in verse 19 and 20, and he called the name of that place Bethel, but the name of that city had been Luz previously. Then Jacob made a vow saying, if, and that word if could literally be said as since, since God will be with me and keep me in this way that I am going and give bread to eat and clothing to put on. Since God says who he is, he says, I am going to become all that he wants me to become, the man of God. 
He's no longer. God is no longer just the God of Abraham and Isaac. Now he is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Oh, the declaration that he made. But then I want you to see something very quickly in closing. The demonstration of his love. So beautiful. The Bible says, And this stone which I have set as a pillar shall be God's house. And all that you give me, I will surely give a tenth to you. Isn't that amazing? The guy just got saved. And immediately starts talking about tithing. I'm immediately, he says, I'm going to give a tenth unto you. This is the second time tithing has been mentioned in the scriptures in the book of Genesis. I'm going to give. I don't think I'm off the mark. I believe when you get saved, you have a new appreciation for the good book. I believe that when you get saved, you not only have appreciation of the good book, but you also have a demonstration of the pocketbook. Also to demonstrate your love and your loyalty to the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, when I got saved, I didn't have to take a class to teach me that I had to began to start tithing. Immediately as I began to realize and recognize the love of God, there was a a desire of response to respond to that love and to express my love back to Him. That's all that Jacob was doing. The Bible talks about two gates. It talks about the gate of heaven and it talks about the gate of hell. Heard about an old boy in London, England. He had heard about this nightclub. And the nightclub was called the Gates of Hell. And so he was looking for that nightclub one day, or one night, and he ran across the policeman. And he asked the policeman, he said, do you know where the gates of hell is at? The guy began to think and he said, oh yeah, down the street is the gates of hell. But one block before you get there, there is a church that's called Calvary. And if you pass Calvary, you'll go to the gates of hell. Well, my friend, there are two gates. And you'll either go to the gate of heaven or you'll go to the gate of hell. It's by your choosing and it's by your choice. Jacob made a decision many, many years ago that he wanted the God of this world, the God of heaven and earth, the God of creation, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac. He wanted to know him personally. Do you know him? Have you experienced him?
Have you gone to the gate of heaven as he did through that ladder, the Lord Jesus Christ? Lord Jesus, we're grateful for your love and for your protection. We pray your blessings upon upon this, uh, this hour. Asking you, dear Lord Jesus, that you might demonstrate your wonder-working power in the lives of your people. And so, Lord, we pray that today, at this very moment, that you will exercise that power for your glory and your honor. In Jesus we pray.